Welcome to another episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. We invite you to join us today as we discuss the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and reflect on how Mary can be a model for spiritual habits as we start the new school year, showing us the difference between being hurried and going forth in haste. Welcome to St. Joseph's Workshop, building the church at home, a place where faith and family meet. Insight from a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. I'm Emily Lugo. And I'm Father Stephen Ingram. Join us as we enter St. Joseph's Workshop. You know, Father Stephen, um, I love this topic because I'm in the midst of it. I'm in the midst of the hurricane. <laughs> um, as we record this, it, this is actually before the school season starts, about two weeks before, but it will air right afterwards um, for most people. So as a mother of five, I'm definitely feeling the frenzied hurriedness of trying to buy school supplies and uniforms and get everything ready, not to mention get our sleep schedules back on track okay. for those early mornings. It's just a crazy time of year. Um, and, I, and I think it's a really interesting time to be able to reflect on this concept of Mary going forth in haste and just that difference and that juxtaposition between Mary's joyful, peace-filled, purposeful mission of going forth in haste versus what a lot of us are feeling right now at this time of year, which is just that frenzied hurriedness um, mm -hmm. and not a lot of joy in the midst of that. Yeah, you know, the, there's a, a great difference, I think, between hurry and haste. A lot of times we, we kind of conflate those two, but, you know, with the busyness of life, we can be busy with lots of different things and feel ourselves pulled apart at times by the different obligations we have and everything that needs to be done in a short span of time. And that leads to a, a real disquiet in our hearts, mm -hmm. a real, you know, kind of, well, feeling like we're being pulled apart to some extent, you know, because our hearts with one thing and then another and then another, we don't get that time to really rest with things and focus on things. And I think that's the big distinction. You know, Mary going forth in haste is not this kind of hurried, busy, one thing, then another, then another. It's this kind of single-minded focus on this is what I need to be doing, and I'm going to go into it with my whole self. You know, and it's incredible because this verse that we're pulling from, and which is from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 39, this is almost immediately after Mary found out that she was with child, mm -hmm. you know, by the grace of the Holy Spirit. So I imagine that, well, for most people or anyone who would find themselves in that situation, you wouldn't imagine that they have this sense of peace and disquiet. But this just shows and exemplifies how much trust she had in the Lord, mm -hmm. that in the midst of hearing this incredible news, not really understanding the fullness of what it means or the implications, she's still ready for mission. She's still ready to be sent forth with that joy and just trusting that the Lord is with her. Well, yeah, and, and it's really springing from the fullness of that revelation that the angel Gabriel gave to her because he didn't just reveal to her, you will be with child. He also said, behold, Elizabeth, your relative, is with child, she who was thought to be barren. And it's that that Mary's responding to, she says, in the midst of my own new situation, I still have this 
opportunity to go and serve my relative who has had this wonderful blessing in her own life. And so she goes to share in that blessing and to be a blessing. You know, I imagine she wasn't just going for a visit, but she was going to help. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's a big piece of it is that willingness to serve, to be on mission. And, you know, right now as we're, we are recording this, we are actually in the midst of World Youth Day happening in Portugal. And many of our coworkers are there. Several people from our parish um, have traveled. And so this verse, you know, here I am at a distance, but I am trying to read through the daily prayers that they are and the homilies that are being put forth so I can have a little taste of what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. But this is the theme of World Youth Day. Um, Mary arose and went with haste. And I think for all of us who are listening, if you haven't heard about World Youth Day, or if you haven't been following it, just to be able to go back and look in the archives and read and listen to the different homilies, listen to the songs that they have. I think this message is so important for all of us um, to be able to keep ourselves centered and to really to take time to reflect how God is calling us because he calls each of us individually. Yeah. And if you're wondering why we're focusing on World Youth Day, one, of course, the Pope's there, and that's always a big deal. But, you know, for a lot of us who are listening, we may not be all that young. And, you know, I'm not particularly young, even though a lot of people think I am. Um, you know, it's, it's still an opportunity for us to remember that in the eyes of God, we are all children. We are all still able to learn from his message, from what's being promoted to the youth, because if the youth are, you know, meant to be receiving these messages as preparation for the future, why wouldn't we be able to benefit from that message as well? Because we all still have a future and we're working with the youth in order to bring that about. You know, this is not a message just for the youth, even though it's particularly crafted for them. It's something that can benefit the entire universal church. And so it's something worth meditating on, you know, especially as we're remembering Mary, you know, and this, you know, wonderful message of the Annunciation and how Mary responded. She kept all these things in her heart. She pondered them and decided based on what she had thought about, what she had pondered, what she had received from God, here's what I'm going to do. And that's really what World Youth Day is meant to focus us on. It's not just, oh, yeah, the youth need particular attention. It's, no, the, the youth need to be encouraged to go out and do, just like all of us. We receive the message, ponder on it, and then go out in haste. Right. And, you know, one of the things that I think is worth mentioning is that when we talk about World Youth Day internationally, youth is actually more of young adult. They're looking at people who are from the age range of 18, I think up to 35 is still considered that youth mm -hmm. um, that this event is targeted for. And if you've never heard of it, this is an event that happens within our universal church. I believe it's every two to three years. Um, and it's something that's open for anybody to go and experience. And even if you are older than that, maybe you can go with a youth or a child or someone and accompany them. Um, but I think that this message is very relevant, relevant for where we are right now as we enter into the new school year. Also in the month of August, it is a month that is dedicated to um, venerating the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And I, I'm, I think it's so beautiful how it's really tied in very closely to this 
World Youth Day that we have, which is celebrated this year in Portugal and Lisbon, because that is so close to Fatima, where Our Lady appeared to Lucia, Francesco, and Jacinta, and really gave this message about honoring her and venerating her. And I thought maybe we can break open a little bit, talk a little bit about that visitation, and then also maybe talk about the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mm, Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing to recall, especially right now, you know, because the promises of Fatima are such a powerful thing um, in the church, recognizing that the apparitions there, the messages are ones that still speak to us today. You know, they're not something that is a historical anecdote, but is something that was meant for all to hear and not just all at the time, but also it's a continuing message of God coming to us through the intercession and the apparition of Mary, that there's still more to be offered to the world through our attentiveness to Mary and to her son, whom she brings into the world. And, you know, as we are about to break this open, I think it's something important to think about as well, uh, for those of you who may be parents and who are in the midst of this transition of the summertime schedule and going back to the fall and, and coming back to school, it's a reality for all of us that we're going to be entering into transition. Whether you're a student starting classes or a parent, you know, adjusting with part of that aspect, being the carpool for that, our culture and our, our society is aware of the difference that's happening in your life, that maybe this might become more complicated for you, or maybe finally it's going to be easier for you to get back on schedule. Because a lot of times, this, I think we talked about this in a past episode, I had this envision or this idea that the summer was going to be more slow going, but it actually was more complicated with the different summer camps and different things that my kids were doing. It put more of a stress. Mm-hmm. So for many people, you're kind of falling back into this routine. And I saw something recently on social media, this post that was talking about, um, focused on people toward me, <laughs> my era and generation. And it said, ladies in their 40s, back to school, back to you, 21-day fitness program. And I just laughed when I saw that because, you know, they're aware of this change and, okay, finally, it's time to focus on you. <laughs> and here I am thinking, okay, well, probably I need to, but I also really need to focus on just my time with the Lord and getting back into that routine of our spiritual health. Um, so I think as we look to Mary as a model, as you mentioned, not only pondering and discerning and trying to be present with the Lord and know and understand what it is that he's calling us to, but to be able to use her as a model within our prayer life and look at the different Mm -hmm. devotions that surround her, that can really be a good support for us so that we can slow down from the sense of hurriedness and the anxiety and the frantic pace that we may have and really be able to be able to go forth with more of a sense of joy and peace and purpose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a lot of times when we get caught up with the busyness of everyday life, we lose focus on the things that matter the most because we get caught up in, oh, this is necessary, then this is necessary, then this is necessary. And so many things keep coming up that we have to do, we have to do, we have to do, that the things that are less immediate but are more important tend to fall in the background. And It's always helpful to have that time in our lives to take a step back from the immediate and to focus on the important. 
And that's what, you know, our daily habits of prayer are meant to do in our lives, to refocus us on what's most important in our lives. And, you know, sometimes you can't avoid, you know, when a baby's vomiting, you got to deal with it. You know, when, you know, something really urgent is happening, you know, the Lord does call us to immediately be there. But there are times at which we also need to be intentional about how we're turning to the Lord, because that's where the depth of our spiritual life really is. That's where it becomes more and more a part of all those little things that we're doing in their immediacy. If we're not taking that time to reflect on where God is in our lives and where we want him to be more in our lives, it becomes more and more difficult for us to recognize him and really be in communion with him in everything that we do. And that's where Mary as a model is such a powerful, powerful witness for us because she did it perfectly. That's why we honor her immaculate heart. That word immaculate is not one we hear outside of the context of the faith, but it means, at least not often, but it means without stain. And specifically in this context, in the spiritual context, without the stain of sin, without the stain of evil in her heart. And so reflecting on her immaculate heart, her sinless heart, is a powerful thing for ourselves because most of us, we recognize that our hearts aren't immaculate, but we want them to be. We want them to be purified. We want them to be perfect. And in order to grow in that, we want to look to those hearts that are perfect, the immaculate heart of Mary, the sacred heart of Jesus, so that we can transform our own hearts by our communion with them in the Holy Spirit. I think that's a a key piece to this devotion to the immaculate heart of Mary and venerating it is because we want to model, we want to be like that. From her physical heart, that's how Mary is able to love, not only love Jesus selflessly, but to embrace all of us as our spiritual mother and to love us. And so it's something that we strive for. And I I think it's really interesting, as you mentioned in that initial scripture, when Mary is in the midst of hearing her news and what the Lord is doing in her life, she also hears what's going on with Elizabeth. And her response is to go and serve with Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And something about this devotion that's so beautiful is it calls us to love and serve like Mary, because through the devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, we're actually praying in reparation to all of the grievances and the pains and the sorrows that Mary's heart has experienced from our own sinfulness. Um, there's this quote I want to I read. So, so kind of backtracking a little bit about this um, devotion. So we talked a little bit about Fatima and our and how Our Lady appeared to the three, and. Later, um, Lucia, Lucy dos Santos, she enters into a convent in Spain, and Our Lady appears to her in a vision. And in that vision, she addresses her and says, Behold, my daughter, my heart encircled with uh, thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it, and at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. Give me consolation, you at least, and make known on my behalf that I promise to assist at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all who on the first Saturday of five consecutive months confess their sins, receive Holy Communion, recite five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes, meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. 
with the purpose of making reparation to my immaculate heart. So I know I just said a lot of things, but mm. what is at the heart of that is she is asking for our prayers to help in reparation of all the sin and the blasphemies and the things that people do toward her, not truly understanding who she is as the mother of our Lord, not understanding who she is to us spiritually. So by loving Mary and modeling her, we're actually doing a service for her. Yeah. And for people who are who have a background outside of Catholicism who might be listening to this, you know, that language of making reparations to Mary's immaculate heart may sound really uncomfortable, really like idolatry even. Yeah. Like, are we making reparation to Mary? Who is Mary? She's not God. Why shouldn't we just make reparation to God? And the answer really is we are making reparation to God through Mary and her son, because Mary brings Christ into the world. It's not just this historical, she brought Christ into the world 2,000 years ago that we honor her for. It's that she continually does that through her continual yes to God. Throughout her earthly life, she made a continual yes to God that brings us to teach that her heart was sinless, never departed from the Lord. And in that perfection of communion with God, she is able to uniquely connect with him in the spiritual realm. And as one who lives with God forever in his heavenly kingdom, she continues to bring that love to those who are still on earth and before the throne of her heavenly father. And so we continue to look to her in this reparation to her heart, because it is perfectly united to the sacred heart of Jesus, to the will of our Heavenly Father. And so a connection with Mary, a reparation to Mary, is a reparation to our Heavenly Father because she is so perfectly united to him. And so that's where this, this dedication to Mary really comes from. It's from that recognition that what pains Mary's heart is exactly what pains our Lord's heart. And so if we make reparations to her heart, we're making reparations to our Heavenly Father. You know, and I, I want to piggyback on, on this concept that, you know, for those people who may be hearing it, you mentioned those who maybe have a faith outside of Catholicism. And I would say even for those who are Catholic, when you hear the language, you know, what I just read, it also can sound painful, um, because it almost sounds transactional. Like, mm -hmm. if you do this, mm -hmm. then I will do this. And I think that's one of the, the big important things about this devotion is it's not transactional. It has to truly stem from a desire of our heart, as you mentioned, to be able to console Mary's heart, to be able to console our Lord. That desire is what we're seeking. If we are only seeking you know, a free ticket into heaven, then our heart is not in the right place. Mm -hmm. And this devotion, that's not what this is all about. So I think that's something important to think about, especially for people who haven't grown up on these devotions, because there are many devotions that are similar to this. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that or maybe break open this devotion a little bit more for those who maybe who have never heard of it or interested in what it all is about. Yeah, you know, to some extent, the whole devotion is spelled out in what you read. You know, it, it specifically lays out, you know, through Mary's message, this 
you know, wonderful way of making reparation, of uniting our hearts to her immaculate heart, to Christ's sacred heart through her immaculate heart, by praying for reparation, for that word (laughs) reparation is not one that we often come across except in the context of crimes of injustices and making things right. And that's really what this is all about. It's it's recognizing there's so many things that have been done to offend God in the world, to offend what is sacred. And in order to bring about healing in those situations, in those circumstances, There needs to be something done in order to improve the situation. And that's what that reparation is all about. It's about bringing at least some kind of restitution, some kind of repairing, which is actually what that word means, that relationship. And so part of that is transforming our own hearts by engaging in this prayer in the hopes that by our witness and by the influence of the Holy Spirit in whom we pray all these prayers, transformation will happen to repair the broken relationships, to reconcile sinners with God. And that's really what the focus of this devotion is, is on bringing about Christ's salvation more and more in the world through reparation, through repairing that relationship. And so, in order to repair any relationship, we've got to actually do things that show our hearts are transformed, right? You know, if, you know, let's say your husband does something that hurts you, if he just says he's sorry, that's an act of reparation, but it's not a really powerful one, is it? Yeah, maybe not so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot more helpful if he does other things that you know that he knows you like that will help him show how much he's sorry will help him show how much he wants to repair the damage that he's done in your relationship and that is really what this devotion is all about it's saying for our part we want this to be better and here's what we're doing to try and bring about a reconciliation for the whole world And that's one of the most dramatic things I think about this whole process of reparation is that I individually, as part of the world, can pray for the whole world, even though I don't have contact with everybody in it. But as one human race, we can pray for one another. And our prayers are effective because we're praying to our Heavenly Father for whom all things are possible. One of the things that I found interesting about this devotion was in one of the websites that I was visiting, it was spelling out specifically five kinds of offenses against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about why is it five first Saturdays of of the month? What's Mm -hmm. so significant about that number? And so they spelled out different um, things that were specifically offensive toward Mary and her Immaculate Heart. And, And I bring this up because as you mentioned, the, this devotion in and of itself is helping us spiritually to help create um, amends for these these pains that her heart has received. However, these pains, these sins or blasphemes against her heart are things that I feel a good 
devoted Catholic also needs to be aware of because sometimes these are things that even Catholics might struggle with if they believe or they don't, or they are very common things that non-Catholics may say. And so I feel as if a bigger part of this is also understanding what the church teaches about Mary and being able to not only understand that yourself, but share that with others almost Mm -hmm. in a way to evangelize. Mm -hmm. So those different offenses that they list out, one was specifically against, um, believing or not believing in her immaculate conception. Um, Again, not believing or or blaspheming against her perpetual virginity. Uh, Blaspheme against the divine and spiritual maternity of Mary, so maybe not recognizing her as our spiritual mother. Um, Specifically, rejection or dishonoring images of Mary. And then the last one, number five, was the neglect of implanting in the hearts of children a knowledge and love of Mary as our Immaculate Mother. Mm. So I found those very interesting, how it was very specific talking about it. And I I feel like for many of us, we may need to even look at our own, okay, am I honoring Mary? Do I believe what the Catholic Church teaches about her? If not, you know, maybe I need to wrestle with that and try to understand why they teach what they do. And if I hear people talking about these or maybe having a misunderstanding of Mary, am I being a voice for the church, for what we teach and sharing with them what I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are, are very powerful things, you know, because a lot of times we do misunderstand Mary's role because it is a little strange. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest, you know, but the incarnation itself is a little strange. God becoming one of us is something that goes beyond our capability of properly understanding because it's ultimately a divine act that none of us are capable of fully comprehending. And so these other things that flow from that, these other understandings of why we honor Mary in particular ways or why we teach certain things about Mary all flow from that initial mystery of the incarnation of Christ in her womb. And so ultimately, Blasphemies against these teachings about Mary are blasphemies about some aspect of the incarnation of God, some aspect of God's own divinity or humanity in the person of Jesus. And so it's it's particularly impactful for us when we recognize that this isn't just an offense against Mary herself, but against our blessed Lord by not honoring his mother. And so, you know, all of this is connected with our connection with God and our communion with one another in one family as children of God, children of Mary, our mother, because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so those conditions for receiving these blessings, those conditions for, you know, getting this this wonderful wonderful grace of knowing that, you know, Mary will be praying for us at the hour of our death with the graces necessary for salvation that come only from her son, Jesus going through and, you know, making these first five Saturdays or these five first Saturdays, uh, you know, that's a beautiful thing. And all of them, our connections with our Lord in one way or another. We have, you know, that confession of sins. That 
has very little to do with Mary herself. It's connecting us with our Heavenly Father and transforming our hearts to be more like His because of that forgiveness of sins, that purification that comes through the grace of that sacrament. And it directs our hearts more toward the heart of God, which Mary's Immaculate Heart is perfectly in line with. So, you know, that creates the seed ground for the rest of these practices to really take hold and transform us as we come out of that sacrament cleansed, as we come out of it renewed, ready to do more, ready to be more in communion with God. And so these other intentions are all about what do we do coming out of that? And so that next one is receiving Holy Communion. What better way to increase in grace and make sure that at the time of our death, we are ready for our entry into heaven than by living out the heavenly banquet in the Eucharist. And receiving that Holy Communion is an even better way to do it because, you know, we can go to Mass without receiving communion, which is why she says that Holy Communion is about fully participating in the Mass. It's about fully offering ourselves to God and receiving Him fully, or at least more fully than we were able to before. And then this devout recitation of the Rosary with meditation, that's a powerful thing. You know, the recitation of the rosary is a beautiful thing in itself, but a lot of times we can kind of pray the rosary in a rote way where we're just getting through the prayers and we're getting it done and it only takes 10 minutes. (laughs) It can go really fast if we're just praying the words, even if we, we actually mean what we say in, in all of the words, it can go very fast. But when we really take time to meditate, on the mysteries of the rosary, especially for 15 minutes each. That's a powerful thing because the mysteries of the rosary are the life of Christ. They're some of the most important moments in the history of salvation. And when we ponder on them, we're doing what Mary did, pondering all these things in our hearts, Mm -hmm. you know, and we become more in tune with what that has to do with our daily lives as we spend time looking at it in our minds, in our hearts, and even responding to God with these words of prayer in the rosary. You know, that helps us solidify that communion with God that we received in the Eucharist in bringing those graces that flow from the life of Christ that we have received through that sacrament to bear in our lives, in the lives of those we have concern for, in the lives that we want to be transformed by this great sacrament, by this great devotion. And that's where that final intention with the purpose of making reparation to my immaculate heart, that's where all of this gets its focus and makes it crystal clear that this is about the transformation of hearts. It's about the transformation of the world through those hearts. Because if hearts aren't convinced, then nothing's really going to change. I love that you emphasized how this devotion is not just about Mary. 
which for on the surface level, many people will see that, that mm. the intention is to bring us closer to the Lord. And I, I know you've mentioned that in other podcasts as well, but I think it's something that's worth repeating. And I love how, as you broke it open, you showed how the true intent of this devotion really is that alignment with the Lord, that transformation of our hearts. And hopefully as we pray the hearts of others who have you know scorned the Lord or not truly or fully understanding what it is that the church teaches and, 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 that which creates that barrier between them and him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is a, a great devotion if no one, if you have not tried it before to try it, but something that's interesting, as you mentioned, it's, it's five first Saturdays. So this is not something that you just do in the month of August. You can pick any five consecutive months in the calendar year. And on that first Saturday, you participate in this devotion which kind of comes back to, as we look at August, which is a month dedicated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, this is just one devotion of many. Mm-hmm. There are many different ways that we can turn to Mary, um, that we can seek through her modeling how we can find peace in the midst of the craziness of our own lives. So, you know, maybe we can talk about what are some of those other devotions to Mary. Um you mentioned within the midst of this, ah, the rosary, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. anytime we, we take the time to contemplate and to pray the rosary, that in itself is something that can bring peace and joy to us. That can be transformative. So that can be a devotion that people can look at. You know, if you find yourself that you are spending more time in the car than usual, as you're driving people back and forth to school, taking that time to pray or waking up earlier before the day gets crazy and finding that you can just center yourself in that peace, offering up to the Lord, asking Mary for her intercessions that you can get through the day and all the challenges that you may find. Mm-hmm. That's another opportunity that you can turn to Mary in this month to, to seek that peace. Yeah. And I think one of the helpful things in all of this is, you know, we talked about you know, the symbolism of the five Saturdays, but why is it once a month? Why is it particularly these days? Why is it, you know, structured in such a way that you've got to make them consecutive? Why can't I just pray this at any time and receive those graces? And a lot of it is about making this truly a devotion rather than just something I do here and there, you know, kind of a scattered spiritual practice. It's about building up a discipline of doing this regularly, of making this part of my life. And, you know, not necessarily doing this forever, although some people do it. When they've done the five first Saturdays, they find, I really love doing this and I get a lot out of it. And they just keep doing it for the first Saturdays. You know, um, when I was a kid growing up, um, after my grandfather passed, Every first Saturday, we went to morning mass at the, uh, the mausoleum where he was buried with grandma. And grandma would take us down and we would have mass together to pray for his soul. And it was a regular thing that we did every first Saturday to keep that connection with him alive and to continue to recognize that this mass is where we are spiritually connected with him, where we are spiritually connected with all the dead, at least the ones who have been saved, you know, and that's really the focus of this devotion is making it something that you are devoted to, you know, because 
Yeah, when we find that word devotion, we usually use in the context of love. You know, if we talk about a devoted husband who does everything for his wife and family, you know, who is always working for their good, you know, and that's really what this devotion language is about in our faith life. It's about building up that habit in our own hearts of meditating and connecting with God and bringing the fruits of that connection more and more into our lives. And we can't do it if it's haphazard. It has to be part of who we are. And so that's really the focus of this devotion and of all the Marian devotions. You know, it's a great thing to pray the rosary, you know, here and there when you feel like it, when you have a particular intention in mind, but it's a far more powerful spiritual tool when we do it regularly, when we have that devotion to it and make it more and more a part of our lives. I think that's a key, building those habits. Just like I, I mentioned with that Facebook post, hey, ladies in your 40s, I'll reach out to all of you. Anyone listening to our podcast, what is your spiritual habit? What does it look like? Do you need to change your schedule? Do you need to rearrange your priorities so that you have this foundation, whether you are going back to school or going to work or any other things that are happening in your life, we need something to be able to offer us that sense of firm foundation and that confidence. And I, I think, at least I could say for myself, that sometimes it's easy to get astray from your spiritual devotions, or your habits or schedules. For my work, a lot of times I'm doing a lot of research. I'm reading all about the Lord. I'm delving into scriptures. But just because I'm reading it or listening to podcasts, it doesn't mean that I'm talking with the Lord. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I'm taking the time mm -hmm. to listen if he's speaking to me. And I feel like, at least for myself, but probably for many of us, it's really important that we can understand that difference and we can distinguish distinguish it and really take time to ensure that we are actually engaging in prayer, that that conversation is not one-sided or I'm, I'm researching everything about you, Lord. I, I know all about you, but that doesn't mean that I know him and it doesn't mean that I'm letting him into my life and that I'm opening myself up to really be transformed by him. Mm. You know, I know personally right now, I'm feeling hectic and frantic in my personal life. Apart from school starting, we're in the process of selling a home and it's very stressful. Mm. And just this morning alone, I, and last night, I really found that I was skirting all around talking to the Lord. I wasn't really listening. I was talking at him. I was definitely telling him what I need, but I wasn't really listening to what he is asking of me. So I feel like in the midst of this, we need to ensure that with whatever devotion we choose, whether we use Mary as a model and we, we look to her and we see how she ponders things, how she is mindful to the moment, how she really is responding to the Lord, or whether it's something else, I think the key is to just make sure that we're building that habit of prayer and that we are really opening ourselves to listen to whatever the Lord has to say to us. Yeah. And turning back to our, our opening, you know, that pondering that Mary had, that attitude that to some extent devotion that she had to pondering the word of God in her life and acting based upon it is really what allowed her 
to go in haste rather than just in hurry, mm-hmm. you know, because she recognized what was going on in her life based on what she had learned about God and what she had you know, decided on with that meditation, with that pondering. And she said, she recognized, I need to go to Elizabeth. I need to be there for her. And she goes and the result is that she's blessed in her own way as she becomes a blessing. You know, that wonderful moment of the visitation where, you know, the child in Elizabeth's womb recognizes a child in Mary's womb and they all recognize that the Holy Spirit is filling them all. That's a wonderful thing. And it doesn't happen without that devotion to recognizing the presence of the Lord and meditating and deciding based on that. So if we don't build up that dedication to it, that devotion to time of prayer, we're not going to be able to have that peace in our lives, which is where the peace in the world comes from. When we have peace in our lives and help others to have peace in their lives, the world becomes more peaceful. That's how the promises that we talked about from the Immaculate Heart of Mary at Fatima happen in the world. It's by the transformation of hearts and souls. And if we want that to happen in the world, we want it to happen first and foremost with us. Mm -hmm. And so we need to take that time. We need to build that up. If we want that peace in our lives to be able to go with, you know, single-minded devotion, we have to have the time to rest and to ponder like Mary did. And so I, I encourage anybody who's listening who doesn't have that yet to make that time, even if you've got to do it with your kids, you know, because they need that time too. Even if you're, you know, trying to manage them in the midst of it, it can still be a blessing to take that time to be quiet with the Lord, even in the midst of your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely think that at different stages in our lives, our spiritual practices will change and look different. And as you mentioned, maybe the preference would be to have this time of silent meditation. But if you have a lot of little ones, maybe that's not the reality, unless you wake up really early (laughs) before they do, it might look completely different. But that joyful noise of having them and even that witness that you're giving to your kids is something that can be a blessing for your family. And it reminds me of a quote, I believe it's from Mother Teresa, and I don't have any way to check it right now. (laughs) But it's to the extent of if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm. So it starts at home. And, you know, we're talking all about schedules and ordering and finding that habit. The beautiful thing with the church life is it's also cyclical. And as people return to schools, even if you're not of school age, that's also when in the church life, we start to offer more programs Um, normally it's semester-based, so Bible studies for adults, bringing in speakers to come to be able to learn more, to have not only the knowledge of our faith, but also different practices. So I encourage wherever you are listening, break open your bulletin, see what your church is offering, and try something new. Take the time to order that and add it to your schedule so that you can continue to grow. Yeah, and if you do want to grow in that devotion to Mary, but the these five first Saturdays seem like they may be a bit much or you know, maybe a little bit inaccessible for where you are right now in your life, there are lots of other things that you can do in order to, 
you know, draw closer to Mary and to, you know, grow closer to our Lord through devotion to Mary. Um, you know, there's a big, you know, <laughs> wonderful celebration of, uh, you know, true devotion to Mary through consecration to the Immaculate Heart um, from St. Louis de Montfort. Um, he's a, a fantastic writer, and that's a kind of daily devotion for uh, 33 days. Um, and it doesn't require a whole lot more than taking, you know, a few minutes each day to pray through the prayers that he has in mind and to read a little bit. Um, but if even that seems a little bit off too much, you know, that daily devotion to the rosary or weekly or monthly devotion to the rosary could be a powerful thing to do. Um, there are lots of litanies to, uh, marry under different titles from different sources, um, you know. Or even just a simple prayer, a simple Hail Mary each day can be a powerful way to connect with her. Um, You know, for a long time, I was a a big proponent in my own spiritual life of, you know, every evening I would pray my prayer to the guardian, my guardian angel, a Hail Mary and a Glory Be before I went to bed. And that Hail Mary helped connect me with the intentions of Mary also that last prayer, you know, in the Hail Mary, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. That's a direct connection with what she expressed in the messages of Fatima, of praying for not just me at the hour of my death as I'm going down to sleep and might not wake up, but it's also a prayer for everybody else so that we can have those graces that she wants to bring into the world so that we are saved so that we don't go to eternal damnation, but go into God's heavenly kingdom. Yeah, yesterday I I was driving in the car with the kids and had a lot on my mind, especially with the house. And um, and also as we were researching all of this, as I told you, I, I just recognized I needed to take the time to stop and pray. And so in the car with my family, we prayed and we all prayed together, the Hail Mary and we normally speak in Spanish. We prayed in Spanish. And I said, okay, now let's do it in English. <laughs> That's my language. I want to make sure she understands whatever we're saying. So we said it a couple times, but it's so beautiful just taking the time. And and honestly, I felt peace. I felt a lot of peace after we prayed together as a family. Um, and just really taking that time to not just think about it or talk about it or research it, but just to sit in that peace and to converse with Our Lady, ask her to pray on our behalf and bring that our petitions before the Lord. Um, that's our encouragement for you as we enter into this this changing transition time of year is to find what that habit is, that spiritual habit that can bring you closer to the Lord. And this is an opportunity if you're still seeking one, explore some of the Marian devotions. Uh, maybe you'll find one that really draws you close to the Lord. Absolutely. Well, as we bring this episode to a close, we'll return to those tools. We just mentioned a lot of them, a lot of different ways in which we can connect with the Immaculate Heart of Mary and bring those graces that flow from her in her son, Jesus, into our lives. Um, The first one, of course, is that, you know, those five Saturdays, those five, five first Saturdays, that devotion to reparation, you know, is a powerful thing to consider doing. If you've never done it before, you know, a new school year is a great opportunity to bring something new into your life. Yeah, and as we are in the midst of World Youth Day, I encourage all of you listening to 
reflect on Luke chapter 1, verse 39, Mary arose and went with haste. And just put yourself in that scenario. Reflect on imagining Mary in that in that instance and what must have been going on in her heart and in her mind. And then take some time to reflect on your own life and maybe how God is calling you to go forth. So my my tool and my challenge for you is to sit with that scripture and meditate on it and just let the Lord speak to you. And uh, a final tool for today is one I think we repeat often in this podcast is you know, making a plan for your spiritual life alongside the rest of your daily life. You know, very many things we schedule in our lives, and it's a particularly important to order our lives according to our priorities. And if we don't put a lot of time for God in our schedule, can we really say that he's a priority in our lives? And so, you know, taking some time to make that plan for where am I going to pray in my day? I'm, you know, figuring out, you know, where my kids need to be at what times each day, where I need to be in order to support them in that. And so in the midst of that, don't forget, where are we bringing God into that schedule? Where are we doing what's necessary to stay connected with him? As we conclude this episode, we pray to St. Joseph asking for his prayers as the husband of Mary, who was so attentive to her in his life. We ask for his help in helping us to be attentive to her presence and to the presence of her son. And so we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Joseph. Pray for us. Head of the Holy Family. Pray for us. Glory of family life. Pray for us. Cornerstone of families. Pray for us. Protector of the Holy Church. Pray for us. O God, who in your inexpressible providence were pleased to choose St. Joseph as spouse of your most holy mother, grant, we pray, that we who revere him as our protector on earth may be worthy of his heavenly intercession who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of St. Joseph's Workshop. Remember, we are all a work in progress, so be sure to tune in next time to gain new tools to help you build the church at home.